Welcome to another Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chapman. I'm along with my co-host, Tyler. What's up, baby? Let's go. So, Tyler, we, you know, before before the season, I mean, when the season started, you, we got to this uh, kind of like a rough start. Well, it was a rough start, let's be honest. After the Seahawks game, after the Patriots game, after the Cowboys games, I think you were getting a little bit restless. I think a lot of Metro Detroit and Detroit Lions fans in general were getting restless. And they started looking forward to that number one overall pick. But what if I told you, T- Tyler, it didn't matter what the Detroit Lions do because the LA Rams are going to get that that top pick. Well, I don't think they're going to get number one overall pick. But um, they lost again today, and the Lions won their third straight. And they're going into Thanksgiving, and they have every shot where you could say they could actually make a run at the playoffs. Yeah, no. Yeah, no if, I said, if I would have said that a couple, you know, a couple games ago, you probably would have been like, "Dude, you're on, you're high, you're on drugs. Like, let's drug test you right now." But like, if you look at it, dude, the reality of the situation is, this Lions team has came to play all three games, and what's really pushing them apart, and you're starting to see with your young guys coming to play. Like I said last week, Tyler, and you said it last week. These young guys that are coming to play, they're coming and they're making big plays. Ali McNeil, um, you had Aiden Hutchinson with a pick today and a recovered fumble. Kirby Joseph, interception. You know, Lee McNeil stuffing Saquon Barkley's dumbass because he didn't win my parlay. And listen, this is what I'm talking about, dude. Like, I, you know, when we were heavy on Glenn, there was a lot of people that were heavy on Glenn. They were like, let's fire Aaron Glenn right now. And I said to you at the time, I said, just let Dan Dan Campbell probably has a reason for why he's not doing it. And you can see everything I just said is coming to fruition with Aaron Glenn, with the Lions rattling off some wins. And they're actually looking like a competent football team. No, they are. And um, the big thing that, like, we've kept preaching about and talking about and we've been kind of, like, watching unfold is we kept saying, right, like, guys have to make plays like they're like guys have to step up there's like doesn't matter what the guy is like we kept saying like man there's somebody that has to step up in this team especially on this defense grab the game by the nuts and literally take charge and say i'm gonna make a difference and like dude hutchinson and kirby joseph have cemented themselves as like franchise cornerstones on defense it's awesome to see i mean aiden ever since dude Ever since they stood him up in a two tech and kind of have like an uh, like a rushing off the ball linebacker, like attacking three four linebacker end kind of hybrid thing, like dude, he's just been going nuts, man. He's got you know he's got two picks in the last three weeks. Um, he leads all rookie um, defensive ends in sacks, QB hurries, pressures, and he has the same amount of interceptions as Sauce Gardner. I mean, um, there was definitely some time in there where a couple weeks where we're like, hey, look, man, like we got to see more consistency from this dude because he's second overall pick. Exactly. But, man, he's doing it. And um, big props to the coaching for putting him in the best position to succeed. And he is looking confident. He's looking strong. He's looking really good. And, uh, and yeah, man, like these guys that are coming through and making plays, are, are, we're just we're playing gritty football and we're just we're looking like we're a cohesive unit and we're just making plays. Like it's awesome to see. So they started one and six with the brutal, you know, we were brutal on their coaching staff. We were brutal on everyone. We were saying, like, let's lose games. We went the first overall draft pick. They're three, you know, since, and they're looking like the team that we thought they would be, Tyler. That's the thing I take away from it. You know, you, obviously Hutchinson has gotten better. Kirby Joseph has really put this team to where they have a great guy in the secondary. You know, obviously losing Tracy Walker, you're not, you're thinking, man, that's a big loss. But Kirby Joseph has stepped right in, and it's giving you a little bit of hope for the future, you know, let's look beyond this game. For the future, you're going to get Tracy Walker. You're going to get Kirby Joseph in the same backfield. And then you could add some defensive pieces to the secondary where you have a really, really good secondary. You could add a piece on the defensive line. Listen, Tyler, we talked about it earlier in the, you know, in the season. We were talking about, you know, they're just, like you said, they're just one, they're one play away. If they make this play, it can make all the difference. Well, now they're starting to make those plays and it really shows it's a credit to the coaching staff, number one. It's a credit second to Aaron Glenn for keeping with the same old, same old 
and changing a little things up and those big those little changes that he's made up were big. And let's not yeah, for, and let's not definitely. forget the and let's not forget the fact that they are without today Josh Pascal and Charles Harris. Now if now before the Ain't no Kuda for most of the game. Well, yeah, and that's going to be another thing we got to monitor through the Buffalo game because he might not be available. Hopefully, he can. But when Charles Harris and Josh Pascal were inactive, I was like, "Holy crap, we're we're going to get gashed. We're going to get gashed." And they held right. and they held Saquon Barkley to fifteen carries, twenty two yards. His longest rush of the day was four yards. He was outran by his quarterback Daniel Jones, or as they call him, Vanilla Vic. And listen. I don't care about giving up 50 yards to the quarterback because he threw two picks. He got sacked twice. The Lions made him, you know, just he had to air it out to win the game. And Daniel Jones is incapable of airing it out to win the game. And that's yeah, a credit yeah, to that sure. defense. Credit to Lee McNeil because he stuffed up that middle, dude. Every time Saquon wanted to run up the middle, guess who was there? 54. And listen, Every time. And he was just – in the backfield, tackles for loss. I mean, if you look at his tackles for loss today, let's go with it. He had three tackles for loss. Like, that is freaking phenomenal. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, uh, Aleem looked really good. He looked really confident. Um, he looked really strong. I'm out. I mean, he just looked like he knew what he was doing. And, um, you know, it's great to see these pieces start to gel together, man. Like, um, you know, everybody was playing their part. I, I, I still, I mean, obviously it's apparent we are still lacking like talent severely on the defensive end, but when you can st- find a way to, like we've been talking about, find a way to grid out these wins, string some wins along, like you, know, you don't need to have a superstar defense always, or you don't need to have a superstar team in general. You just need to find ways to win and get wins and string them together. And like, it's looking really good, man. Um, there's still a couple things that are very apparent to me. Um, for one is that, um, you know, we've already bested our win total uh, from last year. And, yep. um, you know, there's still seven games to go. So it's great to see. So uh, Dan Campbell does have this team and this program headed in the right direction. So um, I was getting frustrated with him the last few weeks before this three game win streak. But I also, um, you know, I think me and you are both on in agreement that we were never the right move to fire this guy or it was not the right move to, to think about letting him go. You have to give a coach at least a few years to try to right the ship. Yeah. Um, and I think he's doing what he can as a coach. I mean, in, in the last few weeks, he's really, really matured on his decision making, too. Yep. I mean, we're taking we're taking points. Um, you know, we are doing things that we're making the right plays. We're doing these uh, the things that we're supposed to do. And the coaching is looking really nice. Uh, one thing I do want to bring up, man, is that, you know, although the game is like really fun to watch and follow and pay attention to, right? Obviously it's fun to see all the good things. You have to remember that there are still some things we definitely have to work on and we need to improve. Um, I still, again, a millionth time this season, I don't know how many of you are actually paying attention to this, but you need to. Ben Johnson's second half adjustments and his play calling and the way we play in the second half is seriously bad. It's atrocious. I thought it was better. Calls. I thought it was better today. See, and I, 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 I didn't even love it, man. Like all of a sudden, we we were up eighteen or seventeen six, and then we went up twenty four six, and we stalled for almost two quarters. And it was like it just up the gut, up the gut, up the gut, up the gut, or you know. And it's like, and then you got you're you're talking about your, you know, your third and short or four, you know, what? Yeah, third and short, and and then you you decide to chuck it deep to to DJ Chark when you're trying to hold on to a twelve point game, like. I understand, man, trying to be conservative. Like, it was a weird mix of I'm going to be so conservative and then randomly take this blatantly idiotic deep shot down to DJ Chark at the end of the near the end zone. I just, I think he's got to get sharper on, on his play calls. It seems like we stall out in the third and fourth quarter way too freaking much. See, here's, year, where, here's, where I'll, here's where I'll go with that. Um, you know, obviously, he, the, you know, the offense did hit a, a lull, you know, in the second half. But like you got to understand, the guy on the other end of that that Giants defense was Wink Martindale. He's one of the best defensive minds in football. So you have to kind of mix it up, or else you will get beat to shreds. I mean, there there was a game I was watching earlier in the season with the Giants. They were playing the Packers, and the Packers started doing this 
they started becoming predictable. They started to run it on second down. They started passing on third down. And Wink Martindale, he's one of the best coaches in football, blitzing you, making you feel uncomfortable. So when you give him a predictability, he will beat you down into a pulp. And I thought it was really, really good what Ben Johnson did today. You know, we talked about it earlier last week, you know, how second half adjustments need to be better. I thought this week he did play a lot. He did coach it a lot better. They did make some changes. They had to kind of keep the game, you know, um, unbalanced because, you know, that deep shot to DJ Chark, if it works, it's a dagger. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you're playing Wink Martindale, you can't just run it if it's a third and short because they're going to blitz the shit out of you. And I thought Ben Johnson realized, like, I'm going up against one of the best defensive coaches in the NFL, and I can't let him, you know, get a little glimpse of what I'm going to do because he's going to make my life even harder. And I understand. And I definitely understand that. And I'm not necessarily and, – and, you know, the more I was thinking about it, just, I mean, I'm not necessarily, like, do- like trying like to dog the guy or, like, say he's this or that. Like, it just seems like more often than not, I watch this team be super aggressive and, and do a lot of great things at – um, you know, the beginning of the game, the first quarter, the second quarter, and then all of a sudden it's like the second half, there's always a huge period of time where we stall out. And I know that's that that's normal in the NFL. I do. Um, because you know, the game slows down. I mean, fatigue starts to set in. I mean, maybe people make adjustments. Um, but it's just I, I wanna make sure that we're keeping an eye on our adjustments and what we could do offensively. It's like everything's cool, fun, high energy you know, trick plays, um, you know, uh, draggers, uh, crossers, slants, you know, things opening up in the middle of the field, and all of a sudden the second half rolls around, and usually third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, you're going, what the hell is going on, man? It's like we hit this weird wall, and I know that, you know, team, like I said, teams and other coaches adjust, and you're absolutely right about that. But it's one thing that it's like you want to keep your eyes on that. I hope that he's looking at that and he's still trying to find trying to find ways to improve and be better because I do think we have a good coaching staff and a good system right now. I just don't want to get wrapped up um in, you know, thinking that we're too good to make these halftime adjustments or these late third quarter, fourth quarter adjustments. Um, because, you know, we're winning right now, man. But uh, you know, you, you kinda you screw up a little bit here or there and start getting really conservative or getting like oddly aggressive and predictable parts of the game and it can definitely spell disaster for you if you don't make sure you get that under control. Yeah, you know, here's the thing about that. Um, you know, with Ben Johnson, listen, I think part of it, to be honest, and we talked about this before, Tyler, about Jared Goff. I think he realizes like there's things that he can't do with Jared Goff. And it's yeah, okay. And it's, and, and it's okay because guess what? There is a lot of quarterbacks in this league you can't run some plays with. I mean, like, yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you can run anything with. But like a guy like, you know, uh, Matthew Stafford or Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, those are guys that you know have won in this league. Um, you know, Geno Smith. There's some things that they just can't do. And you if you're a good offensive coordinator, you make do with what you have. And one of the things that Jared Goff does really, really well in terms of getting uh, the plays done is one of the things that he does really, really well is he's accurate. He he really is. But when you get him to throw deep passes, he's kind of inaccurate. You know how it is. But right. when he, when he's on, he's on. When he's off, he's off. But well, his short and intermediate throws are super accurate. I mean, he's more accurate between the short and intermediate than I ever remember Matthew Stafford being in the short and intermediate in Detroit. And that and, and that's, I'm a huge Stafford guy. And that's okay because listen, I, you know, everyone always says. With Jared Goff, like he can't win you games. Now, listen, there's only a couple quarterbacks in this league that are going to win you games. Okay, like you're just that's like that's not a good way of winning. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, those are guys that are going to win you games. But besides that, who who else is there? I mean, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever seen, and he can't even win teams game. Like it's a team game. It's a team game. So I like what Ben Johnson's doing using Jared Goff and the way he uses Jared Goff. With those short intermediate passes or passes of running back, Amaran St. Brown is a stud. I can't wait to get Jer- Jamison Williams back. I really oh, can't yeah. wait to get Jamison Williams back. Yeah, and by the way, uh, Jeff Okuda is uh, due to the uh, for, um, concussion protocol. He will automatically be ruled out for Thanksgiving. So oh, bad news there. That's not good. 
But you know what? Here's the thing about that. I did like the way that Mike Hughes played. I like the way Will Harris played. I like the way Jerry Jacobs played. I know they don't they're not the talent of what Buff we're gonna see Thursday, but I think that our defensive line you can give them a little bit of issues. Well, and, and that's the thing too, man. Um, so you know, to finish kind of wrapping up with uh what we've seen today, man, like there's still Jamal Williams, he just has this weird attraction to the end zone. Uh, so good for him. I mean, the guy's <laughs> got like 12 touchdowns on the year. Uh, leads the 13. league. 13. 13, okay. Uh, leads the leads the entire league. Um, so that's that's crazy. Um, our, you know, offensive line looked, you know, still looks solid. Um, rare penalty on Sewell. Uh, or was that Decker that ended up calling that on? Um, but uh, regardless, I mean, line looks solid as always. Um, obviously, we a big need for us is still – uh, a receiver, obviously, which Jameson Williams coming back will be huge. Um, but, but yeah, man, this this game was a game of coaching coordinators, and our defense was able to to like keep keep it going, man. I mean, we put together some really nice drives. Um, the Khalif Raymond has has really stepped up as yeah, a little kind of fast slot guy. That one pass that he he fell and he took it, you know. Oh yeah. That was that was amazing. That, was, that changed the, that, that that took the game in an insanely positive direction for us. Oh, for sure. And I thought that that was a huge conversion. I just look at the Lions' last three games. Okay, yeah, the Chicago game they gave up thirty points, but they gave up nine points against Green Bay, eighteen points against New York. If you hold teams under twenty-four points, you're probably going to win those games. As you know, this Lions' offense is going to get better. And you look down the pike, you know, even at the Buffalo Bills, like let's say they don't win that game, you got Jacksonville, you got the Jets, you got the Panthers, you got Chicago. Like there are some wins that you could rattle off really easily, especially being the Vikings are at home, the Bears are at home, the Jaguars are at home, Panthers look like yeah. Yeah, dude. I mean, how about, dude? How about, uh, how about back-to-back roadies for freaking Big Dick Dan, man? How about it? Yeah, you know what? Listen, Big Dan is doing it all right. Because, like, listen, I know a lot of people were hard on him, to, you know, with his game management. But you just said it earlier. He's matured in that position because one of the things I liked was he when they went down the field. They went all the way down the field. They didn't score a touchdown. But what Dan Campbell did was take the points with three nothing lead. I thought that was very, very that was a that was kind of like a momentum kind of thing for the offense. Yeah, no, someone must have had a talk with him, man. He must have called like Sean Payton, man, and had a long discussion because, dude, he all of a sudden, dude, the first six weeks it was like he was allergic to taking points. He just wanted to be so aggressive, wanted to play Madden, like on freaking, yeah. you know, whatever, dude. And all of a sudden, like he's realizing he's gotten in these points, and all of a sudden now, you know, now he's taking he's taking the points when when it's needed. Um you know, one thing I would, uh, and I don't, like I said, our job, I feel like as, you know, Lions podcasters and people who follow the team is obviously we're supposed to give credit and be happy, but I feel like it's also sometimes to be hypercritical of little things too, you know, things that our people aren't, you know, thinking about or, or, or seeing. And so we try to see things differently so we can kind of help people, you know, see that we need to get better in certain areas. And one thing I've noticed, man, is that we've got this new guy as our kicker, right, Badgley? And, um, and it's like, I have yet to see a point where he's really like, Hey man, I trust you go out there and nail it. I mean, he had an opportunity to kick like a 54 yarder. Um, and you know, 54, 56. I was listening to the, the, uh, TJ Lang. Uh, he was on the, he was on the, uh, he was on the sideline. He said like, he doesn't think that like you've seen Graham Gano, who was a great kicker, missed two extra points. Right. I think today it was kind of a thing where, like, if we were at home in the Ford field, he would take the points, right? I thought when he got outside the 40-yard line, it was going to be a risky kind of thing. I thought, yeah, you have to go for it at that point because it's it's a game-by-game basis. You know, obviously, if you're playing at home, you don't have to deal with the elements or nothing, no wind yeah. or nothing. But when you're at Giants Stadium, like, that's one of the stadiums where I, I'm Lomas the, the, in the pregame show for the Detroit Lions. Um he was saying how one field goal was the wind was going straight, and the other side of the field where the other field goal was, the flags at the top were going sideways. So it's the way that that stadium's built, where the wind kind of dictates what you do. So if you're not in that end zone, you kind of have to, you're kind of you yeah, know. and and I can see that, especially we have a good punter and everything. It's just I guess my point on that was like 
the one missing piece of this whole like thing is I, I do want to see, you know, if, if we found our kicker or not, because we haven't really seen him much these past few weeks. And I want to see what it looks like to say, Hey man, you know, I trust you go out there and nail it. You know, I know that there's uh you know, kickers, it's a big confidence thing, right. With kickers. Yeah. Um, but you know, obviously in hindsight, cause they ended up getting that ball uh, at like the 25 um, and we were on the 40. So they only, we only gave up 15 yards yeah. or no, we weren't even on the 40. We were on the 30, 37 or 30, yeah. 35. So we, yeah, we only 35. really gained 10, yeah, 10 more yards. So it's like in hindsight, obviously, but I just want, uh, and maybe this is just kind of this, just my football mind working. I, I want to see him say, you know what, man, go out there, give it your all. Let's see what you're made of. And, and, let the guy go try a 50, 55 yarder. I mean, I know confidence is huge, but Hey, he makes something like that. I mean, he nails a 56 yarder against the wind. Um, you know, like, and he ends up nailing that dude. I mean, that could really shoot a ton of confidence into a guy, um, that we could potentially really need down the stretch. Maybe, you know, maybe making some games really closer and up winning us some Here, games. Yeah. But here's the thing. So let's look at that, that play you're talking about. So the punt happened on the 34 yard line. Uh, Jack Fox hit, kicked it 39 yards into the end zone. Um, you've seen kind of how he wanted to set it up, but the the wind took the punt into the end zone. Um, so that's exactly what Dan Campbell was looking at. I mean, if you don't get that kick, right, if you miss that kick and the Giants get it at your, let's say they get it at the 40, right, because that's where probably where they would get it, you're looking at them coming back. You're giving them a shot to come back easily because at that time, you know, it's it's still 24-12. You, you got the lead. Play safe. And, and you tr- trust your defense. And what do you know? They trust their defense. It was a fumble the next play. That's what you got to look at. I mean, I, I know you – I know people want to say, like, okay, yeah, you want to give your kicker, you know, confidence and everything. But, like, if he misses that kick, it could destroy his confidence too. Yeah, no, and I do get that. And, like I said, that's just one of those little nitpicky things that I want – as a fan want to see, like, hey, man, go out there and give it your shot. It probably was the – analytically it was probably the best route because you're not expecting the punt to go touchback and you know well the wind, um, the, the wind carried it i was uh listening to the, i was also listening to the nights of one um the lions broadcast and, and tj lang said that ball car- carried in the end zone the wind kind of took it up and and kind of put it in the end zone i mean that's just what you're dealing with i mean you kick a field goal from that that spot it might you know the wind might take it and take it right and that's going to be a bad thing for the lions because they're giving the ball to the Giants at the 40-yard line. So that was a good idea by uh, Dan Campbell to kick, punt the ball. Um, obviously, they got the fumble afterwards, which was huge. That was absolutely massive. But like you said, I mean, you want to give the kicker confidence, but you also don't want to break his confidence, you know? Yeah, and I get that, man. And, and um, you know, it's nice to see, um, you know, us to string together, like I said, those wins with those good coaching decisions and with those decisions that are being made. It's awesome to see them working in our favor. Um, one I, thing I, just, that I, I just love seeing the way he's coaching because he's given his team chances. And the second thing is he's given his defense confidence. You know, he's saying, listen, I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to put you in a bad position. I'm going to put you in the best position possible. And I think you nailed it, Tyler, when you talked about it earlier. I think he had a call with Sean Payton because one of the things that Sean Payton always stressed as a coach of the New Orleans Saints, I want to play field position. And that's what he did today. Yeah, and it was looking really good. And so um, hats off to those guys, man. It, it was definitely a uh, a good pick-me-up game, and we carry some serious momentum. Uh, Justin Jackson was playing really well today. Um, mm-hmm. He's kind of looking like the new RB2, man. I mean, Swift is really kind of seeming to fall out of love um, with this coaching staff. And I honestly, for the longest time, I would have cussed them up and down, out, left and right about five weeks ago. Um, but I can actually see why, and I'm kind of in the my, my minority, it seems like, you know, with looking at Twitter and on social media about, like, man, it just might be time to move on entirely, um, or if he's okay with sept- accepting a really, really team-friendly deal and being used sparingly as our kind of change of pace lightning back, then that's fine. But, uh, I mean, like, the way – I don't know, did you notice, like, the way he's been running – has been like super soft and timid and he's like his vision is like totally shit like he could have cut the cut it up the field today and probably had about 30 yeah, yards of the, open field yeah the first one where he could have he could he could have uh, 
cut it, but he went a little bit too outside, and that's where he got in trouble. Like his vision worries me, dude. Like that was the same way. Um, what was it last week or the week before? Like he like tried to swing it around outside and like cut it way outside to get around the edge. When it's like if you would have just cut it up the middle, he probably would have had like a sixty yard touchdown. And instead, it was a gain of like six. Yeah, see, his vision is just worrying me lately. He doesn't look like he's seeing the holes or seeing the field right. Like it just looks weird. I think Swift is running scared. I do. Yeah, I think so too. I, I think you're absolutely right. I was he's running like a like a puss, man. He's so like, I'm, ho- I'm hoping that next week they unleash his ass, um, because I think that he could be really formidable if he gets his mind right. Um, you know, it's part of the, it's part of the game when you get you get scared after an injury. You kind of like you're kind of playing timid a, a little bit. But with yeah, that, it was just odd, man. Yeah, like, he's running so shy. Like he, like dude, like just burst. Like you, you know, it's like I don't know Jamal. Like Jamal puts his head down, he runs hard. I know Swift has never been a north south runner, um, but like dude, like he just like I even in that touchdown, that little pitch, he would have tried to like cut that up inside and make a move to the right and barrel through. I he probably could have scored. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I think that Swift is running a little bit timid. I think that he needs to get his mind right. Um, I do think that you have to look at, in the offseason, uh, getting another running back. Um, obviously, people love Jamal Williams, and that's fine. But what you need, um, to be honest, is a game-breaking running back, just like Swift, who can stay healthy. And if you look at the NFL draft, there's Jameer Gibbs, there's Bijan Robinson. There's a lot of good running backs in this draft, Blake Corum. Like there is a lot of good running backs in this draft, and I'm I'm really interested to see what they do this offseason because you can't give Swift the money if he's not going to stay healthy, and you can't give Swift the money that he wants if he's not going to run like he should be. I mean, let's be honest. Like, and let's be honest, yeah. even more like Jamal Williams, as great as he is, he's not going to be a game breaking running back that's going to give you. Oh, for sure, no, you know, for sure. Yeah, so. I mean, I know he's a good short yardage guy, but let's be honest, like you need in this league, you need a guy who can be a difference maker. And let's and we, Jamal Williams is the perfect Robin, bro. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and if you look forward to it, dude, like I don't see a spot, to be honest, where the Lions don't have Jared Goff as quarterback next year. So you need to get a running back and you need to get someone who can play uh give Jared Goff a little bit of play action. That's where he thrives. Dude, I would – I hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it a lot. Because here's – here's, I, here's, I know oh, – you know what? You, 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 fall in the, you fall in the category of everybody else. They want a rookie quarterback, but let me tell you something about a rookie quarterback, okay? We see with Trevor Lawrence, he he's, was a generational quarterback. He's struggling, and he's going to go into his third year, and he, that's going to be his – like that's going to be the year that he has to pr- prove it. It's very rare you get a quarterback that comes in day one and takes the rock play, you know, takes the game to a whole new level. They struggle at first, and even if you right. put him on the, even if you put him on the bench, and then you bring him in in the second year, I mean, you you're well, like, you're I guess playing, why, you're playing the cards wrong too. I guess why I worry is because I don't like, and this is kind of kind of piggy, piggybacking off what you just said, but I hope this kind of opens your mind to a little bit of the opposite or like. Basically, here, here, I'm just going to say it. Okay. Yes, a rookie quarterback usually needs, needs a couple to a few years to develop, right? But if you don't see Jared Goff as being like the long-term franchise guy that's going to be here for a long time, and you do want to get started on getting like a window opened up and you actually want to be a good team, then it's like the sooner you do that and you get your next franchise guy, the sooner that you're able to actually start and open up that window. You know, here's, if we wait an extra okay. year or two, you're let talking me, about not competing for five years. Let me answer – let me push you this, okay? So you you want to you get a rookie quarterback. And this is, this is a theme with a lot of people who want rookie quarterbacks. You want a rookie quarterback to come in, um, maybe start year two, and then when he starts year two, you hope that he develops into a guy that can win you in the next five years. Here's the issue with that, Tyler – once you go a rookie quarterback, okay, and you allow him to get better, maybe three or four years, he's getting better. Guess what you're doing? You are paying Aiden Hutchinson. You're paying Panay Sewell. Your offensive line is going to be vastly different because you can't afford all of them at the same time. Um, you're going to be paying a lot of people because it's contracts, everything are coming up. Like, 
this is what I get that. Yeah, this is what I'm talking about. Like a lot of people want the rookie quarterback, but by the time that rookie quarterback is ready to flourish or it's his prove it year, you're gonna be paying people that like let's say Kirby Joseph keeps the track he's going on. Let's say Jerry Jacobs keeps being a great cornerback, right? You're gonna be paying these guys. Aiden Hutchins, you're gonna be paying Sewell, you're gonna be paying like a top five right tackle. I mean, uh tackle. This is what's gonna happen. So if you say you want to go rookie quarterback, just realize that the resources that you want for the cap space and all that stuff ain't going to be available because you're going to be paying other players who but, I think are going to be good. They're going to, you're going to be paying those guys and you're not going to have the resources. To kind of. But at the same time too, um, I mean, you free up a lot of cap between golf, Brockers, Vitae. I mean, you know, golf, I, okay. that's the thing is, as I don't hate, I don't hate golf. If he was making, if he was on some, Ryan Fitzpatrick deal, you know, two years, 17 million. I wouldn't hate him right now. The fact that he's making $36 million makes me want to jump off a bridge. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I think that that's like the going rate of quarterbacks. If you want a league average quarterback, I mean, like, do you think Kirk Cousins is better than Jared Goff? I think they're the same quarterback. <sighs> let's be honest, dude. <laughs> yeah, Kirk, Kirk Cousins, Kirk Cousins is a pumpkin in primetime games, the one thing we know about Jared Goff is he plays pretty well in primetime games. He got to the Super Bowl. Cousins yeah. hasn't got to the Super Bowl. Kirk like, Cousins is if Jared Goff decided to grow nuts and just be aggressive. Uh, nah. just... See, I, I disagree with that. I think Kirk Cousins is, is like the aggressive Jared Goff. And that's where that's what he, I'm saying. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, well, the, yeah, blood, you, blood. you could say you could say he's the, you know, the no nuts. He's the more nuts Jared Goff. But like, let's be honest, that costs his team more than Jared Goff. Costs no, it does. Team. It does. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Like he is. He's definitely an aggressive. Like that's why I'm saying. Like I kind of went because uh, like he's basically yeah more aggressive Jared Goff, and I do agree though though that that actually does hurt them more of the times that it does help them. So like I don't I mean, like me, Jared. Me, I don't really. Me, like me and you could throw the Justin Jefferson and gets get like 150 yards. <laughs> right. I mean that guy's incredible, but like you know I think with Jameson Williams coming to the fold, I think it's going to unlock the offense, and I think it's kind of something that you need to everyone needs to pay attention to. Do not judge Jared Goff right now. I mean, I know people want to judge Jared Goff, and they, there's people that are already done with him. But I'm willing to look at how he does with Jameson Williams in the lineup. I'm willing to go with him in the quarterback next year. And, sure. I'm, and I'm willing to go and draft a quarterback and see what I have. And then if it doesn't work out, cool. It's such a weird conundrum, too, the whole Jared Goff experience. It's because it's like, you'll look at his games like today, right? 17 for 26, 165 yards, no touchdowns, but no fumbles, no picks, no turnovers. He took care of the ball. So it's like, it's like, I just wish like we didn't have to pay a game manager so much money because it's like, the weird thing is it's like, if we had a guy that were way more talented, but also way more aggressive, would that lose us more games? Right. I mean, look how many people love Matthew Stafford, right? I loved Matthew Stafford. Yeah. I think you were a Stafford guy. Oh, yeah, um, sure. I mean, I just loved him. You know, but, but how many times did his over aggression like lead to us losing games because he's throwing pick sixes or he's oh, chucking it sure. deep? You know, 80, 90 yards. You know, seventy eight yards try to, on a. He would try to thread the needle to Golden Tate, and he's he kind of he kind of puts in a spot where only Golden Tate could get it, and it's it bounces off and goes for an interception. I mean, that's just some of the things that you deal with. I mean. It, it, the guys like Mahomes and Josh Allen. I mean, Josh Allen turns the ball over like he's he turns the ball over the same amount of times as Goff the last couple of years. But the reason people live with it is because of the touchdowns he throws and he kind of makes up for it. Jared Goff. I mean, let's be honest. Like, if I'm gonna be honest with myself, like I'm willing to go into next year with him, see what we have with him and Jameson Williams. Maybe there's a connection. Maybe Jameson Williams unlocks something in Jared Goff that we haven't seen. Because like you've seen when he has Cooper Cup, like I, listen, I'm I'm just trying to give people a little bit of avenue of you might see Jared Goff next year as quarterback of the Lions, and it wouldn't it wouldn't really shock me. Right. No, and I get that, and that's why it's like one of those things where I mean you can kind of debate and go back and forth all day long, but um, uh, it's just like it's so weird because like I, I now I feel the Rams pain where like the Jared Goff experience is like a weird one. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, that you're safe and things are like, okay. Like you're not afraid of the unknown. You don't have to worry about them turning the ball over or losing new games, but like you kind of always are like 
wanting and hoping for like a guy that can make really like cool plays or like rush for a first down or like throw a crazy touchdown or give you a highlight. Like you kind of like, you always like yearn for that. You always like want it, but also at the same time, you're kind of like, yeah, well, but like, ah, he doesn't really lose us anything, man. And like, ah, he, I don't know. Like, let's just stay safe. Like, let's just stay safe. And I think that's okay for where our team is at right now. Um, but that's going to be like, the biggest question mark over the next two seasons, you know, season or two seasons is like what that's going to look like for us going forward in our future. Because I've always said this, if we built up a really good team and golf learns how to play with them and win, win with them. And he comes in and we do decide he's the guy, but he takes like an incredibly crazy good team friendly deal. Like I don't, I'm not mad at it. No. Nah, you know, I, I just, I, you know, I'm not. If he I, it was I, like, hey, we signed Jared Goff for a, a freaking, you know, three year, $50 million deal. I'm like, oh, sweet. Like, you know, like, I doubt I, it. I, I mean, I'd yeah. even take 20 million a year. That, that'd yeah, be three for 60. Three yeah. for 60. Like, I'd be yeah. like, wow, yeah, let's do that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, let's be, let's be honest with ourselves, though. Like, uh, I just want to give people a little bit of, a little bit of reality because if you look at it, dude, some of these quarterbacks that are coming in the draft, I mean, I know people love Bryce Young. Eh, he's short, you know. CJ Stroud, he, he's from the Ohio State crowd, and listen, Ohio State quarterbacks haven't done good, but one thing you know about CJ Stroud is he looks at wide receivers and he stares them the hell down. Hendon Hooker, another one, he's 24. He's he's in a one-read offense where you don't have to really go through progressions or nothing like that. I mean, that's going to hurt you when you get to the NFL. Um Will Levis, he's got some issues. Like, there's no perfect quarterback. The best quarterback coming out is next year with Caleb Williams and Drake May. Like, that could be the best quarterback draft ever, and you're probably not going to be the spot to get it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, even, like, um, I mean, there's there's different things, too, that you're kind of looking at. I mean, there's guys, um, you know, down the, down the kind of line in the next couple years that, you know, you kind of – or, or wanting. I mean, even that following draft class, I mean, you know, you got Cade Klubnik, or Klubnik from um, Clemson. You got, uh, you know, you'll have in the next few years, I mean, you'll have Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning. I mean, like, I understand that it's not like now or never, but uh, there's something that, you know, is fun about like getting the new Jalen Waddle and Jalen yeah. Waddle and Tua, J- Jamar Chase and Burrow, like Bryce Young and J-Mo, like Screw it, you know they were electric. You know the one, and, the one uh, in thing. College. The one thing I worry about with Bryce Young, and it's shown in his college career, I'm worried about him taking hits in the NFL because he is a small quarterback. He is not as big as Jalen Hurts. He is not as big as Russell Wilson or Drew Brees. He's small. He's under 200 pounds. He's he's really small. Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean I definitely don't disagree with you, but it's like. Uh... You know, it's it's like I mean, shoot, he's even fifteen pounds lighter than uh, Kyler. Yeah, I mean you know, that's, so. that's that's the issue. Like, I I don't see any way. Like, I, I know he's a good quarterback at Alabama, but like, let's be honest. Like, he, the, you've seen what this year what he's about when he doesn't have a great offensive line, when he doesn't have Jamison Williams. Like, he looks out of sorts, and that's the thing I'm talking about. Like, you know, I'm fine with Jared Goff going forward. I think he plays a good enough game to where you can win with him. I think that's the most important thing. And if down the line, if you get to the point where you can make that deal with another team to get a quarterback here, do it. But at this point in time, like you should just take this and run and let's build up the rest of the team and build it to where Jared Goff isn't going to be the focal point of the team. It's going to be Aiden Hutchinson. It's going to be the defense. It's going to be, you know, um, Jamison Williams. It's going to be St. Brown. And he just doesn't have to screw it up. You know, that's one of the things I always talk about with Jared Goff is, don't freaking screw it up. And he hasn't been screwing it up the last four games because he hasn't thrown an interception. I mean, he, he hasn't thrown an interception. I mean, he threw an interception in the Green Bay game, but he's two touchdowns, one touchdown, no interceptions. He, he has one interception the last, you know, four games. So, yeah, well, I, and I'm just, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, uh, it's so weird. The unknown is so it's, weird with this it's, team. It's so, it's so weird because I know a lot of people want a rookie quarterback, but like, if you, you look at it, dude, like there's a lot of things that can go wrong if you go with the rookie quarterback. Well, I hope that you're wrong. 
I, I hope I'm wrong too, but I, th- I, I think we're, I think we're going to be seeing Jared Goff next year. So, yeah. So we go into this, we go into this Buffalo game, and this is probably the one of the most intriguing matchups for the Lions, to be honest, because they're playing really, really good, and the Buffalo Bills, they haven't looked the same. I mean, let's be honest. Like, well, last Josh time- Allen's kind of hurt, man. Like, and they're trying to hide that, but that UCL injury, I mean, that's an injury that could uh, require Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and he shouldn't. I don't really think he should be playing right now. To be honest with you, I think they're shooting his that arm up full of cortisone and all sorts of shit, and telling him to get out there and win some games. I don't think he should be playing right now. I think that could do some long damage, like that could do some big time damage to his arm. Well, the last four games, okay, he has he has six interceptions. He didn't have an interception today, but and he was playing in Ford Field. Imagine that. But um, he <laughs> he he had one touchdown. He didn't look the same. Like he just didn't look the same. I mean. Uh, he he wasn't. No, his arm is shot, dude. That UCL injury. He's like, it's like, for those that aren't familiar, man, that's like that ligament in your um, elbow that like baseball pitchers that always goes out, and so they lose the bounce in your ligament, and yeah. that's why Tommy John. Uh, that's why Tommy John surgery is required required because that tendon in your arm and your elbow is supposed to like have like it's supposed to bounce back. It's supposed to have like um like elasticity where like if you like snap a rubber band, it bounces back. Yeah. Well, imagine stretching out that rubber band as hard as you can, and it's just kind of limp. Like, it doesn't snap back. Like, that's what's going on with his elbow. It's, and you, you can't really, like, like you have to kind of, you pretty much almost have to have surgery at a certain point. So, I, I like I said, I don't, I think, I don't think he should be playing right now. Well, as someone who had Tommy John trouble at one point. Um, did you? Yeah, I did. Um, you can get, you can get over it, but it depends on the severity of what it is. But, like, it really f- screws you up, though. Like, you're not the same player that you were. I mean, even the quick action throws that you do, uh, you're not going to be able to get that quick action because it's coming out of your, you know, it's coming out of your hand a little bit different than it well, has before because you had to grip it a little bit tighter. I mean, yeah, well, look how look how weird. Like, remember Matthew Stafford? They were talking about Tommy John in the off season. That and that went away like super fast, but he looks like absolute shit this year. Yeah, and it goes to show you, dude. Because like, listen, like when you make those throws that Josh Allen makes, and 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 um and Patrick Mahomes makes, like you kind of expect to have a little bit of uh, elbow issues. I mean, the way that they're throwing the ball is how some pitchers in Major League Baseball are throwing, but they're on the run and they're making these sidearm throws. When you make oh, and a, the football's way bigger too, I right? Mean. And when you're make it's it's going to put tension on your arm. So like. Listen, I think there's a chance that Josh Allen might not play Sunday. I mean, Thursday, I would be shocked. But, there, like, he's going to miss a couple games going down the stretch. I can't imagine him going through the rest of this, uh, you know, not sitting down for at least a game. Yeah, I I, I, this is one of those things, man, where, like, all right, look, I'm I'm not, I'm not going to try to be a homer. I'm not going to try to be a David Pike too much, right? Um, shout out out, David we love you bro keep listening if you are Um, but look um, we should lose this game against the Buffalo Bills we should yeah right we we should lose this game and I'm I'm okay with that I'm perfecting I'm I'm expecting that but I feel like our job is to also go could we win though could we pull it off could we do something crazy and I've seen I've seen it before man I mean the Bills lost to the Jets yeah, I've seen it before where, like, the Lions sometimes win games that they're just flat out not supposed to win. And it would be freaking awesome. I mean, the teams we've beat are, like, okay, right? Like, yeah. the Giants had a 7-2 record, but we both kind of thought they were frauds. Yeah. Um, you know, the Packers are and eh, the Bears, eh, like, super mid, super shit. Yeah, um, but, but it's me- like, but but, dude, like, if we really, if we beat the Buffalo Bills, man, that would be, like, Holy shit, we're here! Like we're 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 turning the page. Like that would be big time. Because I, you know what I, you know what I see coming happen Thursday. I think that that crowd is going to be freaking unreal. I think they're going to be wanting to, you know, um, just give it to them. I, I think they're going to be loud. I think they're going to be proud. Um, you know, they played the Eagles tough. They played the Seahawks tough. They played the Dolphins tough. Those are t- those are good teams. I mean, who knew the Seahawks would be good? They should have won the Vikings game. They didn't. But they have played better of late where their defense has made plays, and that's the things that we were talking about earlier in the season, Tyler. We were talking about just make certain plays and you'll win the game. And 
with this Lions team, they um they didn't make those plays. You know, they didn't make those those dumb um you know, cost you the game plays in these last couple games. They just haven't. And I think that's what hey, you got. Hey, quick game break. Uh, little news thing here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson dropped a touchdown, and he's dropped uh, two passes already today. Just saying. Anyways, continue. <laughs> you notice how you notice how this team has gotten better without TJ Hawkinson. I'm just saying. Right. I, yeah. We're. I'm not trying to like ruin like your your train of thought or your thing, but like, yeah, dude. Um. Uh. I'm happy that we got rid of Hawk, so let's uh, let's keep it. Going. I know people loved Hawk here, and uh, uh, after what I heard about him being a little bit of a diva, I was good with getting rid of him. Facts. Anyways, back, yes. back to Buffalo. So, like back to <laughs> Buffalo, I've seen we've seen them play great against good teams and just not make the plays. Now that they're making the plays, like I have full confidence that they can beat the Buffalo Bills. Will I say they're going to beat the Buffalo Bills? Absolutely not. But can I see them beating the Buffalo Bills because of the way that they're playing? Hell yeah. I mean, right. I think no, it is possible. I think they're playing at a good level. And I think what's going to have to happen uh, Thursday is they're going to have to go into a shootout. I really do think it's going to be a shootout because I think that you playing in a dome at Ford Field is going to be crucial. But here's the thing what? that people. We... What? I was just going to say we have to we have to dominate like time of possession if we can because, dude. Uh, we don't have enough secondary that I mean, Gabe Davis and Stephon Diggs are fast and they're all over the field and they've got a good passing attack, man. So we've got to try to keep the ball out of their hands the best we can. I think you're going to have to go into that game and you're going to have to do something that Matt Patricia did. And I know people don't like Matt oh. Patricia. I know. <laughs> oh, but when I was at the Kansas City Chiefs game, when Chiefs, the Chiefs were oh, they were they were a really good team. They came to Ford Field and the Lions competed with them. But what they did in oh, that, I game, that game, man, that was a fun what, game. And what they did in that game is they played time of possession. And I think that Dan Campbell is going to have to have this team time of possession. And if there's one player that could really be the X factor and the reason that the Lions win on Thursday, if they win, DeAndre Swift. DeAndre, yeah. DeAndre Swift has to be better than he was today. He has to make the right reads. He has to make the right cuts. It's like if you don't make the right cuts, you're going to lose this game. I just need to see him make the plays that we're expecting him to make. Right. No, that's that's true. And that's the cool thing about this Lions offense is I do think they're good enough to, like, compete with the best defenses. Or, uh, um, yeah, the best defenses. Because, like, we're so run heavy. We do have good, uh, good scheme. Um, you know, we do have some, like, we have really good rushing attack for the most part. Um, you know, we, uh, good, good linemen, um, you know, good, uh, good passing attack when everybody's healthy and, and people are, you know, doing their thing. Um, but the scary part is going against that, uh, those crazy offenses because everyone knows our defenses are not the greatest, but schemed up correctly. And we try to dominate time and possession, man. Um, you know, I think it could be, a fun game to watch. I'm just really, pr- I'm praying we don't get blown out yeah. because that would like screw our momentum big time. Like I said, I am expecting a loss, but if we could make this like, if we could, if, if we did lose and we lost this thing, like 31, 28, I would be, I would be over the moon. I would. Yeah. I think you're going to have to do what the Dallas Cowboys are doing against the Vikings right now. They're on a set. They're on an eight minute drive, dude. An eight-minute drive. They're tearing up clock. They're tearing up that clock, and they're saying, you know, we're keeping this ball, and that's what you got to do with uh, these offenses that have the talent level, like the Justin Jeffersons, the Stephon Diggs, the Gabe Davises, the Adam Thielens. You have to keep them on the the. You have to keep them off the field. I think time of possession yeah, is really going to be the key. And Jamal Williams, Justin Jackson, DeAndre Swift. That could be the that could be the difference right there. Because if you look at the if you look at the uh, Buffalo uh, Bills. Devin Singletary isn't really this great running back. Uh, Naeem Hines, Naeem Hines is kind of like a scat back. Like you, if you can just get them to play the game that you're playing, where they have to, they have to, to you know, play time possession to keep their defense off the field. I think that that helps the Lions more than it helps the Bills because the Bills are a team like the Chiefs, where they need to go up and down that field and make plays and be, you know, a team that's just making these plays downfield and they're, they're dominant downfield. I mean, that's, no, what, they, I, that's what they do. 
a hundred percent. And and a lot of this game is going to come to coaching too, which I'm just I just read an interesting stat for all you guys, you Dan Campbell haters, or the people that say uh, anything about our regimes, right? The Lions coaches, the last five coaches, right, versus um, teams five games over five hundred. Uh, Jim Schwartz was zero and ten against teams that were five games over five hundred because the Giants came into the seven and one. Jim Caldwell, zero and eight against teams that are five games over five hundred. Matt Patricia, zero and two. Daryl Bevel, zero and two. So combined, all those coaches, that's zero and twenty-two before Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell against teams that are five games over five hundred, three and zero. Man, that's something to look at, man. I mean that means we play that that tell me tells me that we play up to our competition very well, which I feel like has been a theme for the past few years. But we play up to our competition very well, and we tend to play down to our competition that teams that we should beat. So if we follow that same trend, man, and we really play up to these guys, there is a chance. So I'm really praying on that. I I saw that stat, and that was pretty that was pretty revealing to me, man, because that means he is getting his guys ready and prepared. Um, I mean, you're talking about the previous four coaches going 0-22 um, on that same statistic, and Dan Campbell's 3-0 under that. I know it's a cherry-picked stat, but it does give you a little bit of insight on, um, you know, maybe how he prepares these guys to take on these really good teams and really try to prepare and scheme against these really good teams. Yeah, and I, I, I think it's funny because, like, I know people were, you know, hard on Dan Campbell and all that stuff, but I think that he is – really came into his own, you know, zone. I think he's coached really, really well these last couple games, and I think that it's really a sign of things to come. You know, there's people clamoring to fire him because of just being idiots. But what you've seen from Dan Campbell the last couple weeks is just what I thought he would be. And I think we all thought this would happen at some point. We thought it would happen earlier, but it's happening now. And if they keep making the plays that they make, Going forward, I think that could be huge. 100%. Also, man, I'm sorry there's so many breaks in this, but another uh, breaking development 25 minutes ago for you guys worrying or thinking about the draft that were particularly high on uh, Hendon Hooker uh, tore an ACL last night. See, I knew that was going to happen because the way he dropped that football and the way he grabbed his knee, I was like, listen, mm-hmm. uh, that's not, not a good sign. And you know what? He won't be ready till he's 26 years old, so – He's probably gonna yeah, drop. Uh, he's probably gonna drop to like the sixth, seventh round. And would you take him? I, I would take a flyer on it. I mean, it's possible. I just I don't like the age and the timeline. But also, um, I mean, it does give you a little bit more IQ and maturity. But uh, regardless of how that kind of works out, you know, prayers for him. Hope he does better. But no, that was just crazy for all for anyone that's still kind of focusing a little bit and honing in a little bit on that draft stuff. Um, that's something that's crazy to see. And uh, so yeah, I mean. And also, I'm really excited that we're starting to win these games, man. Because you know what, the Rams are tank- <clears throat> the Rams are tanking for us, and uh, we've got the fifth overall pick right now because of the Rams. And our pick has dropped down to 13th. Yeah. Um, if we kept kept winning, if we somehow miraculously pulled off a win against Buffalo, and we somehow pulled off, you know, we rattled off say a five six game win streak. I'm not saying we're going to. Don't chop my head off, guys. But I'm saying if we we did some sort of miracle run and we snuck into the playoffs or something, man, like first off, how fun would that be as a Lions fan? At, like Dan Campbell's second year, we pull off some crazy crap. How yeah. fun. And second off, don't worry about the pick because, you know, I'm always been the, the type of guy that's kind of thinking like, you know what? There we do. we You do need a top pick in some areas sometimes, but think of the best teams, man they're not sitting tanking for picks. Usually the people that are taking uh, picking in the top five or the top 10 are always perennially picking in the top five or top 10 because they're losing franchises. They're losers. They're, they're just bad cultures. If you so have, like, if, if you worth have, it more to win, it's worth you, it more to win. If you have a good general manager, the only sport that you tank openly is basketball period. Right. Like the Pistons. Yeah, because the superstars in the top are in the top, five or ten and outside like if, of that like if i'm the pistons cade cunningham being out i'm like listen dude i don't care because if they get that victor wamadea guy or scoot scooter henderson women yeah, yeah he's yeah if, whatever whatever his name is it's too long to pronounce but if they get those guys like it's game changers okay 
But in the NFL, like you see all the time, dude. Like Stefan Diggs was a fifth round pick. Amaran St. Brown was a fifth round picker, a sixth round picker, whatever the hell he was. Uh, fourth, fourth, yeah. Yeah, fourth. Derek Barnes, fourth round pick. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez wasn't he a fifth or sixth round pick or something? Sixth, yep, sixth. A sixth round pick. Like you can get talent later in the draft. This isn't, you know, the NHL and the NFL. They kind of have this where you can get t- talent late. Same with baseball. You you can draft these guys later on. And if you have a general manager that you absolutely fundamentally believe that they can scout talent, they will pick those guys. If they're not a good general manager, they don't make those picks. I mean, we've seen it before with the Lions with uh, you know, Mark Mayhew. I mean, he had some good drafts where he drafted Quandre Diggs and all that. But there was a lot of drafts where he just he drafted crappy. I mean, Bill uh, Matt Millen, he drafted some good players uh, in the first round, you know, like Calvin Johnson and all that stuff. But then the, the rest of the draft, he's drafting bumps. Uh, you know, exactly. Bob Quinn, the same thing, drafting bumps. I mean, Jelani Tavai in the second round, get lost, dude. Like, Dude, oh, my goodness. I looked at his um, one of his draft classes um, recently. Oh, my gosh. It was so bad. I'm trying to find it right now. So, um, it, it was bad. Uh, Bob Quinn was probably the worst general manager uh, in Detroit uh, ever. I mean, I, I just, I, dude, he was so freaking bad. Like, it was absolutely incredible how bad he was. And well, this is this is his 2017 draft. Jared Davis, oh, Moore, Kenny Galladay, oh boy, Dylan Reeves, Maven, huh. Roberts, Jamal Agnew, Jeremiah Ledbetter, Brad Kaya, and Pat O'Connor. Woo! That Woo. was just literally five seasons ago, guys, and none of those players are even on our team. Oh, Jared, Jared Davis. Uh, oh yeah, I guess I technically I whatever. Um, again, but only one player from that entire draft is still on an active roster currently. Two players, Agnew and Galladay. Yep, and then Jared Davis Woo! was up last week. That that just shows you how you need a general manager to make the picks. And if you don't have a general manager, you're not going to be good. And I have full faith in Brad Holmes. I think Brad Holmes, what he's doing with this Lions team, he's building this team the right way. You could see with Lee McNeil, you could see with Derek Barnes, you could see with Malcolm Rodriguez, this team is popping the defensive talent that he's bringing in is really paying dividends. And the next thing I'm saying is you look at Brad Holmes and you look at the drafts that he's had, there is a minimum of three to four guys in every draft class that has made a significant impact in the team, uh, on the team this year. Uh, it, whether you say it's uh, Lee McNeil, whether you say it's Derek Barnes, Penai Sewell, in last year's draft class, you had Pascal, you had Hutchinson, you had uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, Kirby Joseph. Listen, this guy is drafting really, really good. And if you look around the NFL, three to four guys every year could get you a very, very good football team. Yeah, man, I think that we're on the cusp and winning and, and we're turning a page, man. Like, that three-game win streak was, like, a godsend. I mean, we needed that, dude, for the culture, for the team, for the players. That was yeah, great. I, I, and, I laughed at all these idiots that were telling me that you needed to lose to get draft picks and you needed to um, – it doesn't matter about the culture. The culture matters. You build, you, build, you build a winning culture by winning football games, and it shows – you know, when you go into free agency next year with a little bit of cash – you can go to the big time free agency. We're ready to win, dude. We're you can come here. We're ready to win, and those people will want to come. What were we here. saying? What were we saying about Dan too? It's like, hey, we like this dude as a guy, man. But like, you need to go out there and win some damn football games. Yeah. And what is he doing? He's going out there and winning some damn football game football games, man. That whole like new model that we have of just grit is like it. It is. It is real, and they are showing it right now. And we are just grinding out some sweaty ass wins, and like. Dude, let's keep it going. It doesn't matter about how you win. It's how it's how it's that you win, you know? Exactly. And, exactly. And I, that's what we had to look at. And when we go look at Buffalo this week, like, I hope that it's a close game. I hope the Lions win. Uh, do I see them winning? Absolutely not. I don't think you see them winning either. But we see a path to where they can win. And that's what I think is important because in other years where we played on Thanksgiving, you probably said there's no path. Like, when Patricia was here, you're like, there's no freaking way. This guy's a bum. Blah blah blah. Last when year, when Patricia was here, I struggled to turn on the TV to even want to watch them. I still did it because I was a fan of the team, but I like, I didn't even. I was like, just yeah, I guess I'll, I'll turn it on because there's nothing else to do on a Sunday. Like, 
I was totally like out. You didn't even do the pod while Patricia was here because you were like, dude, I took, a, I took a break from my page. Like I, I couldn't right. deal. I couldn't deal with that guy. Like every, and then, you know, you'd have some lines fans. He just needs his players. He just needs to shut the hell up. This guy right. blows dude. He, all these Patriot assistants, they suck. They just absolutely blow. They're not good. Yep. Josh McDaniels and with the Raiders. Imagine being a Raiders fan right now. You got Devontae yeah, Adams. You got they. They're ass. They made the play, they made the playoffs last year, and then they add a number one receiver, and they add some guys in the draft, and they extend Max Crosby. And the next thing you know, they're down ten seven and, seven and a half to the freaking Denver Broncos. Like they're about to go to another loss. Like just shut up, dude. Like this that that team is ass. It like Which makes you think, man. Would they would they move on from would they move on from Derek Carr and start a rebuild? See, that's, if that, they, that's that's the thing that you would you would wonder. Like, but then you're thinking about that, and you're you're thinking about the the cap hit he has, and what you're gonna have to trade to get him. Yeah. Like, uh, it's just not a good situation for the, that. Though, would, that would you, some weird weird hot take? Would you see Derek Carr as like an upgrade Ben Goff? Yeah, but then you would be giving up some first round picks that you don't want to give up. Like, would you would, but, would you would you want to give up the Rams but, pick? But I heard they could like move on from him without much dead cap because of the way his contract is. Even they're though still, they just extended they're, him. they're still going to ask for a King's ransom. Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Because if the Lions come, if the Lions come to uh, the Vegas Raiders and say, "Listen, we want Derek Carr," they're going to be like, "Yeah, give us your Rams pick, give us your your pick, and give us a first round pick next year." That's what they're gonna it's do. Like, so I'm good. Yeah, I no thanks. I'll take Jalen Carter in a draft, and and we'll we'll say bye bye. That's just the way it goes. I mean, that's that's how it is. So, you know, hopefully next week when we come on the pod, um, it's Thanksgiving, so we probably won't do it the day of because that'd be ridiculous. Maybe we do it like later in the day, um, or maybe Friday, but um. But yeah, dude. No, I uh, any um. Any crazy uh, predictions for this line, this uh, Thanksgiving game? See, I don't even know what to predict, dude. Like, I really don't. I know, I know. Dude, I, don't I don't even know what it's to so think, weird. dude. Like, I'm, I'm in shock that we're even talking about three straight wins. Like, I didn't think that they would run off three straight wins. I definitely didn't think that they, like today, this, this game against the Giants. I, I thought that they would win. Like, I was confident that they would win this game. But deep down in my heart, I'm like, oh god, like I think they're gonna lose. Like I don't, I, I don't I'm know. I'm gonna do a crazy, I'm gonna do a crazy bold prediction, man. That we uh, we hold the Bills to 17 or less points. Oh my god! See, I'll I'll just take 21. Like, if, wouldn't that be nuts, dude? Wouldn't that be that'd be insane? Dude, if they held a, if they if they held the Bills to 17 points, I'd be like, yo, what is going on? This is nuts. They told the Bills to 17 points and they went 31 17. That would be you talk about you, you talk about trading, uh, changing the culture. That win would change everything. Be not. Isn't it crazy how like sometimes dude, you look in like the course of history of like the, the league or just the teams like, and like one win like that could. You're right. It could literally change the entire course, path, culture of where this team is and where they're headed, and like it could change everything. Like. You're talking about you grit out a win against the Buffalo Bills. You go on a four-game win streak, and you beat Josh Allen at home on Thanksgiving on primetime. Game Man. changed. For Dan Campbell, dude, they'll build a Dan Campbell statue. Oh, yeah. It'll, it'll, go, it'll, go up to, it'll go up next to the Barry Sanders statue. <laughs> like, seriously, it would be nuts, dude. It would be nuts because you're talking about, holy shit, things are different in Detroit. Something's going on. It's like that uh, – that, the, the meme with the dude with the basketball talking about the Jazz. What is going on in Detroit? <laughs> I mean, it's just that's the things that could happen, dude. And I'm I'm very very excited for what this team can do moving forward. Like I really do think that this, uh, I think this Lions team is turning the corner. And, hey, and you're I, gonna have some you're, you're gonna have some shit to talk, man. You said when we were one and six, you were arguing with all these people. You said I still see a path to six or seven wins. I don't care. I still see a path to six or seven wins. Trust me. And everyone's like, no, you're dumb. <laughs> and you're Listen, like, I'm going to take, take my victory. I'll take my victory lap when they get to six or seven wins. But you know what? Right now they have some work to do. But you know what? You got to remember, a lot of people don't – they think in the moment, but, like, this is a long football season, and you can make some headway just by winning a few games. I mean, they're at their win total last year um, just by beating this these three teams that they beat in the past three games. 
And if you look at it, like there's games they should have won early on that they didn't, and they're starting to win those games and they're starting to close them out. That's what I look at. And well, and I still see even if we get six and we double our win total from last year, the season is a huge success, and we've went in the right direction. And that's what you guys got to remember too. We're not in a playoff or bust mentality right now. We're not in a Super Bowl or bust mentality. We're not in an NFC Championship or bust mentality like, you know, the Packers or the Niners and who are both, like, struggling to get there. Like, we are in a second year of a total rebuild. If we double our win total in year two, you have to be ecstatic as a fan base and you have to be excited for the future because that's the recipe. You know, you win three year, three games the first year because – you know, you suck ass and you had tra- you know, you traded and sold everybody and you got new coaches and new schemes and you don't know what the hell's going on. Second year, you double it to six. You know, you hope by the that, by that third year, maybe you go nine and eight, you know, or 10 and seven, you hope. Um, but, you know, as long as you keep moving forward and getting the wins in the right direction, if we get to six or seven wins this year, you've got to be doing backflips with a Lions fan because it means it's going the right way. Yeah, I think you're right, dude. And listen, um, for all the people that called Ian Hutchinson a bust, I want to call you dumbasses. That's what that's what I want to end the podcast on. I really, I think those people were stupid to begin with, and they just look stupid now. And I'll take my victory lap yeah, on that. He's a monster, dude. He's absolute well, beast. He's a beast, dude. And listen, I think that next week when you get Charles Harris back and Pascal back, oh, whew, you that's what you need to. You're gonna need to get to the passer. Lee McNeil flashing this week. Oh, let's let's just hope that the Lions come out and they play a good football game on Thanksgiving, and hopefully they they send the Bills home with a loss. Yeah, no, hundred percent, dude. I'm super excited, and and I uh, I hope that you have a good Thanksgiving, man, with your family, and I hope everybody listening has a great Thanksgiving with their family or friends, or um, you know, if you're a lone wolf man, I hope you have uh, you know, a, a great meal and a couple beers. And yep. watch Lions win, man. I hope it's a great, you know, great day for everybody. And uh, yeah, man, go Lions. Let's get us a dub. Oh yeah, hell yeah. And then listen, if you're if if you're out there on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, don't drink and drive. Call an Uber. Be smart. And then watch Lions Thursday kick some ass. So let's go. All right, man. Well, All right, cool, was, I'll, uh, good good, good podcast man. today, Tyler. We're gonna we're gonna get. Um, We'll, we'll figure out when we're going to do the next podcast because of the holiday and everything. But um, we will see you guys next week on Detroit Lions News Podcast. And we will see you hopefully after a Lions win against the Buffalo Bills. All right, y'all. Take it easy. All right. See you guys next week as another episode of Detroit Lions News Podcast. See you next week.